And God, just give us opportunities, Lord, to just bless others with this gift of kindness that you've given to us, this gift of faithfulness, God, this gift of sacrifice. Help us to show that same gift you've given to us to others, Lord. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Yeah, before I jump right in here, um, we have a really great opportunity. One of the things that I, I'm really desiring to do in our church is to connect people. Um, and on April the 18th to the 21st, it's really a Thursday late until Sunday um, lunch, we are connected to a group called Band of Brothers, and someone in the church is willing to scholarship um, some men to go on this retreat. And this is a phenomenal opportunity. I mean, this is a life-changing kind of opportunity for men. And I really, really want to encourage you. Uh, if you're a man in this church and you'd like to be a part of this, uh, we're going to be going on these consistently in our men's ministry. But, uh, but having an opportunity to go on this, again, Thursday night to Sunday um, afternoon or so, and connect with a group of other men within our church, and there's some others coming as well. So this is going to be a really special time of spiritual growth and, and just, and like I said, connecting with other people. This is your opportunity, and it's free. We're going to scholarship people from the church. So if this is something you think you'd be interested in, again, it's April 18th to the 21st, and there's another opportunity, the 25th to the 28th. If it's something that you're interested in, especially the April 18th through 21, make sure you contact me because we have some spots left, and I want to make sure that, uh, that we fill those spots with people whose lives will be transformed. All right. In this series, What on Earth Am I Here For?, um, we've been looking at the five callings of our lives, the five callings of your life, the five purposes of your life, the five reasons that God put you on this earth. Five of them. And uh, last week, we looked at our third calling. Pastor Kevin uh, taught last week, and he said that we were called to become. God truly wants each one of us to mature, mature spiritually. It's another reason I brought that April date up for the men, because this will be a chance for you to mature spiritually. It's what God wants for your life. He wants us all to mature wherever we are in our spiritual journey. He wants us to continue to move forward. He wants you to become the person that he created you to be. So we, we learned that last week. We also learned that it's probably not a smart idea to eat four cheeseburgers that have been sitting in the back of your car for about what? <laughs> Hot car for a few days, okay? For like three or four, I don't know, Kevin, was it three or four days? Is he in here? Three or four days, yeah. We also learned that probably wasn't a bright idea, okay? So, you know, Pastor Kevin does things. God allows him to do things that are kind of a little dopey sometimes so that he can pass that wisdom on to others. 
Okay? So all of us know now, if you didn't know before, and a couple of you were going, I can't eat a burger that was sitting in the back of my car that long? No, you can't. And we learned that last week. See, if you miss Grace Chapel a week, you, you miss a lot. Um, <laughs> this week we're going to look at our, our fourth calling, God's fourth calling on our lives. We were called, you have been called to bless. You have been called to bless. You are called to bless other people. All of us. That's part of who we are. That's part of the calling that God has on our lives, to bless other people. God says when, when you bless others, the Bible says when you're blessing other people, you are serving them. That's where the word serve comes from. It's, that it's serving other people. It doesn't matter if it's physical, if physical assistance. It doesn't matter if it's financial assistance. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's you know, emotional assistance. You're emotionally investing in someone. You're giving them emotional support. There are a thousand different ways that you and I can invest and bless other people around us. But that's a calling. That's one of God's callings on our lives, that we bless other people. See, when you serve others, when you serve others, this is, you say, I want to serve, I want to serve. And you think, what is this whole idea of blessing? When you serve others, the Bible calls it, it's, you're blessing them. You have an opportunity to bless someone else. Uh, someone was just telling me that they were online at McDonald's or, or, or Chick-fil-A and someone in front of them paid for them. They blessed them. So when they drove up, the person said, well, that person paid for you. And the person said, well, if someone paid for me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay for the person behind me. And I know it was just by happenstance, I know the people online there because uh, one person was behind another in the same family and they said, well, I did the same thing. So as far as I know, at least four people were blessed by someone else. Someone was blessed and so they blessed someone else. It's serving someone. It's blessing someone. It's investing in someone. So your, fir- your fourth purpose, your fourth, your fourth purpose in life is that God shaped me. He shaped me to serve him. We are all shaped to serve God. We are all put on this earth to serve God. And we do that by investing our lives and blessing other people. God has uniquely shaped you with five elements. And it spells shape, S-H-A-P-E. Five elements, your spiritual gifts, your heart, right? So you got spiritual gifts, A-S, and your heart, and then you have S-H-A, and then you have your abilities, and then P is your personality, and then E is your experiences, All of those things shape you. Everything that you do in life, all those things shape you for ministry. And if you're interested in learning your shape for ministry, our next class is March 17th at 1230. I believe that's next week, right after church. We're going to go through that shape class because some of you are saying, I want to serve, but I don't really know what my gifts are. I don't know, really know where my place is in serving. Well, this class helps you understand what your shape for ministry is, your spiritual gifts. Your heart, your abilities, your personality, your experiences, all those things fit together to make you you and to help you serve other people. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 says this, We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It says we are God's workmanship. We talked about this a few weeks ago, that we are God's masterpiece. 
We are a work of art. We are unique. There's no one quite like you in the world. And God wants you to use the gifts that he has given you. He wants you to use that person he has created you to be to invest and impact the lives of others. To touch the lives of other people. You were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. To do good works. Those good works are called your service. You see, when you do something good for others, it's called your service. It's called your ministry. We are all involved in ministry. The word servant and the word minister are the same word in the Bible. Servant and minister. The fact is that we are all ministers. Everyone in this room who has a relationship with Jesus Christ is a minister. We are all ministers. doesn't matter how old or young you are. You are a minister. My job, my job actually as a pastor is to administer the ministers. That's my job. My job is not to do it all because I can't. We've talked about this for the last few weeks too. We are, the staff of this church is not capable of doing all that God calls us to do. And the Bible clearly tells us, clearly, there's no misunderstandings here, that every member is a minister. Every person who believes in Jesus Christ is a minister. And my job is to administer the ministers. That's my job. That's what I've been called to do. Sometimes it's like herding cats. It's not that easy, okay? It's, it's, not, it's not so easy for, to, to, to administer the, the ministers, but that's what God has given me or called me to do. So you have to get that in your mind, that you are a minister. And you think, well, I'm only you know, 9 or 10 years old. It doesn't matter. If you've accepted Jesus Christ into your life, then you're a minister in wherever God has placed you, wherever God chooses to put you. So if someone ever asks you, well, how many, how many ministers do you have in your church? You could say, well, you know, 800. We have about 800 ministers in our church. We have about 1,000 ministers in our church. Because what they're, they're asking, really, they're asking, I know what they're asking. But the reality is, from a spiritual and biblical standpoint, every person who calls Grace Chapel home, who knows Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, is a minister. And has been called by God to serve and invest in other people. God's call on each of your lives when he, when he drew you into his family, God's call, he calls every one of us to be bivocational, bivocational ministers of Jesus Christ. You have two roles in your life. You're a bivocational minister of Jesus Christ. No matter what you do, if, if you are a Christian, you are called to minister for two reasons. All right? Two purposes here. Number one, because you're to help other people. Number two, you're to honor God. That's why you do it, to help other people. You're a minister to help others and to honor God in every single thing that you choose to do. Everything I do, if I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, is bivocational. If I'm out on the field, if I'm, doing, if I'm playing a sport, bivocational. If I'm out doing anything, I do it for that particular purpose. Maybe I enjoy playing that particular sport. But you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You're an ambassador of Jesus Christ when you're on the field. So you're there to do the best that you can do at what you're doing and also in, in to, in, to bring Jesus Christ into everything you're doing. Bivocational. So whatever it is, whether you're playing something, whether you're working, it doesn't matter. Everything we do, we do it to the glory of God, to invest in the lives of others. Remember we said, if we, we've said this many times, if something's not sinful, it's what? Right. If it's not sinful, it's sacred. 
So that means that everything we do on this earth, we do to the glory of God. Whatever you choose to do, you can bring glory to God through that as you fulfill the purpose that God has for your life. Nothing you can think of right now. If it's, if it's a sinful thing, wipe it off the table. But other than something that's sinful, nothing you do, everything you can think of, can be used to glorify God, to, to, to impact the lives of other people. And this is a part of the foundation of our church here at Grace Chapel. It's, a, it's part of our foundation. That we, we have these concepts, that we're living this out in our lives we're trying to be, everything that we do, we try to, we try to do it to the glory of God. And, and it's part of the foundation of our church. And let me, I want to explain that in more detail this morning. I want to give you some, some examples of that. We have an incarnational philosophy. I'll go through it very quickly, but you have to understand this. In incarnational philosophy says, when Jesus was walking the earth, how did he do ministry? Jesus had the same message, listen, the same message, the gospel, but a different approach depending on who he was talking to. One size did not fit all when Jesus was walking the earth. He talked to Pharisees and Sadducees, the rich, the poor, the afflicted, government officials, tax collectors, prostitutes. Same message to each one, but a different approach depending on who he was talking to. Paul followed right in the line of Jesus. Paul said, follow my examples, I follow the example of Christ. He goes to Athens, he learns the culture, he walks into that culture, and he starts talking as some of your own poets have said. And they say, wow, this guy, this guy has studied, he understands us. Paul said, I, I've become all things to all men. He never sinned, he never sinned, but he used every avenue to reach out to the group of people that he was investing in at that time. That's what we have been called to do as followers of Jesus Christ. That's what Grace Chapel is all about. Looking at our community and saying, how can we reach different groups of people? That's an incarnational philosophy. And God has designed every single one of us to serve a certain, to minister to or to serve a certain group of people. So as you're sitting here this morning, you have to ask yourself, who have I been designed and created by God to minister to, to serve? Simple question, you have to answer it. And how are you doing that? How are you investing in people's lives? How are you using the design, your design, to impact the lives of other people? If you have a job, for example, you're a marketplace minister. If you're at home, if you're, if you're, if you're, 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 you're serving at home, you're a family minister. If you're in school, then you're, you're, a, you're a campus minister. When you're on your campus, whether it's Mason or Kings or Cincinnati Hills, when you're, as a follower of Jesus Christ, when you're on your campus as a student, you're a campus minister. And you have to ask yourself, what is my sphere of influence and how can I serve others? How can I invest in the lives of other people? A marketplace minister, for example, doesn't just go to work. They just don't go to work every day. They look for opportunities to serve and invest in the people that they see each and every day. They pray for their coworkers. Something's going on. Maybe the guy in the cubicle over here, his wife has cancer and something's going on. So you say, hey, I, I heard your wife has cancer. Can I? And, and if you can do it right there, believe it or not, they want to arrest you or fire you for praying some, for, for someone at work. Okay? You're allowed to pray for people. 
If, if you ask the person, can I pray for you? And they say, well, that would be so great. And you know what? Nine out of ten times, if you ask someone if you can pray for them, if you're in a place where you can do that, they're going to say yes. People want prayer. They want prayer. And if they say, well, maybe not right, just, you can just pray for me throughout the week. Say, fantastic, I'd love to do that. You pray for people. You, you, you invest them. If their project, say their wife, is, again, has cancer, and they have a project at work, instead of thinking, well, if Joe, if Joe can't finish that project, I can move up in the company. I'll jump over him. How about helping him with the project? Saying, Joe, I know you have a lot on your plate right now. You have younger kids, and your wife's going through this. How can I invest in you? Let me take some of your work and work on it at home, and I'll bring it back to help you in your life. Because instead of stepping on Joe to get to the next rung on the ladder, how about helping him up the ladder? Why is that so important? Because his salvation, his relationship with Jesus is more important than your advancement. Marketplace ministers look for opportunities to serve constantly, to serve other people, to encourage and to support those that they're ministering to every single day. Here at Grace Chapel, we do more than talk about marketplace ministry. We live it out, and we help other people live it out as well. Let me give you a few examples. At Work on Purpose, the largest marketplace ministry in the country was birthed out of Grace Chapel. We have a, a men's group that meets on Wednesday mornings at 7 o'clock. And we, we, we train and commission marketplace ministers in that group. We have a group called Innovate. At Innovate, we, they're, they're entrepreneurs of the church and actually, actually outside of our church come together to use their gifts and their talents and their abilities to further the kingdom of God, to come up with ways that we can further the kingdom of God together using the resources that he has given to us. I'm going to ask those people to come up. I want to, I want to, I, I, I talked to a few people and I want them to come up on stage with me and kind of stand over, sit over here. I'll move this over. But I want them to come up on stage and just explain to you guys how God is using them to minister to, to people um, that in their sphere of influence. Where are those folks? There should be three of them. Pete, whoever's here, come on up. It's <laughs> Lucas. That's all right. They didn't set their clocks, Luke, because it's me and you. <laughs> all righty. You can sit right in the middle. There you go. So, Lucas, we got about 15 minutes to kill. And uh, <laughs> oh, can you sit here? Um, this is Lucas. He's a Mason student. Um, and, Lucas, tell us how God is using you to impact the lives of your friends at school. Yeah, where's the mic? We say, wait, right there. There it is. They put it up there for us. Okay, go. I believe it's on. All right. Well, we had a group of guys that were cross-country runners, all the same age, really good friends. We've been running with each other since middle school. We've been friends for a really long time. And so last year we decided, we were talking, some of us had an idea, like, let's meet together. Let's have a Bible study every Sunday. Let's hang out, shoot some pool, hang out for an hour, and talk for maybe half an hour about stuff. That's what we did. It was awesome. We got to hang out every week. Got some awesome discussion into what we were meeting on Sundays. So fast forward to this year, we, um, we talked with Grace Chapel, and we are like, hey, what else can we do with this group? And they hooked us up. They gave us awesome resources. We're now meeting over in the warehouse every Sunday, which is awesome. We get to use the video board, do videos, everything else. Um, and then they also have awesome projects for us to do. Um, we were able to use the warehouse to host a dodgeball tournament where we were able to raise money for Kenyan orphans for Athlete Impact. Um, 
And then we also, we were talking about service projects, and we wanted to do something like, oh, it would be awesome if we could do something like build a house. We thought that was a little out there. But sure enough, a couple weeks later, we're working with Habitat for Humanity going, and we're building houses. And then we even get to do all kinds of just stuff around the church that's kind of smaller, but we got to destroy a pool table with a sledgehammer (laughs) because it was broken. No other Bible study has had more fun than we did destroying a pool table with a sledgehammer. Um, so that's just awesome stuff we've been able to do. Um, we've been working, and now this year as well, we've been working with the sophomore guys. They have a Bible study like we do work in. The freshman guys have one too. So we've just been working with them, um, and they've been starting up Bible studies as well. It's just been really awesome to be able to work with Grace Chapel and all the awesome resources we have to work with. That's awesome. And so but this was your heart, though. Right? You were at Athlete Impact. Yeah. And then last summer, you had, did you have a group at your house last yeah, summer? Yeah, we also did a thing. Um, we spend off Athlete Impact. We had a double impact group is what we called it. And um, it was the same kind of concept. We all met and ate, hung out in my house, played volleyball outside. Same thing, just hang out for an hour, have a bunch of fun. And then we break out into small groups. We brought some college guys back to lead the groups. And then we just... Hung out for a while, had small groups, broke out. It was a great time. How many people were at that group this um, time? It varied. It was anywhere from like, it was upwards like 50 or 60 people. So yeah. it was a lot of people inside, especially when it rained and everyone had to move inside to the house. <laughs> right. so. That's awesome. I, I just want to make the point that this is something that the students themselves came up with. You know, coming out of Athlete Impact and Athlete Impact stops for the summer and they thought, well, we can, we, we can do this. And so the next thing you know, Lucas has 50 or 60 students coming to his house. Um, it wasn't a pastor who uh, started knocking on your door saying, hey, why don't you get 50 or 60 people to come to your house? Because Lucas sees this as his ministry. He is a, he's a minister to the campus. Um, and so, you know, we think sometimes, well, you have to be an adult. You have to be to be a minister. No, you don't. Um, we're, Lucas is one of our, he's a, he's a Mason intern, impact intern for us right now. And you're a junior, right? So a junior this year, we have him this year and next year, and hopefully you'll come back when you go to college. But um, just to show you the impact that a, one student can make, and we've got a group for now. You said freshman, sophomore, junior, and seniors, right? Junior, so, sophomore. junior sophomores, junior, sophomores, and freshmen. Ju- all right, junior, sophomore. Yeah, you know, you know, I need four. I'm just kidding. No, no. That's amazing. I mean, this is, this is his heart to reach out to all the people around him. So let's give him a hand. Great job. You can get, hang it right up there. And if you see Pete West or Kat Dawson, you can, uh, you can tease them for sleeping in. Um, no, but you see, you see how God is, can use, you know, whoever you are, wherever you are. If you're open, if you're open to being used by God, to be a minister of God, amazing things can happen. I mean, that really, it really excited, it was, it was so exciting to me to hear that a student would take the initiative, uh, you know, take it on himself to reach out to all of his friends in the summertime, and usually impact groups shut down in the summertime so people are all spread out, vacations, so to get 50 or 60 people in your house sharing the love of God with them in the summertime is an amazing feat, it really, really is. We have other people, I'll just use Kat for example, we opened up the shop around the corner, which is a little house right across the street here yesterday, and there were people in and out, and one of the reasons we we did that was because we want to be able to minister to people in our community, and you think, well, it's, it's a business, yes, we opened a business, but every person that walks through that door, if you're a marketplace minister, 
Every person who walks through that door is a person that needs something from you. You can show them the love of Christ by just being kind to them. As they keep coming back, you get to know people. You get to know your customers, if you will. People who who are there on a weekly basis. You build relationships. If people come in, they don't look as enthusiastic as they they did the week before. You say, hey, how are you doing? You look a little discouraged. Well, yeah, you know, I found out yesterday that I had a lump. Or I I found out my, my grandfather. I found out that my husband or whatever the case may be. And you can pray right in that business. You pray with that person. If you're a Procter & Gamble, it doesn't matter where you are in the little shop around the corner or P&G or GE. It doesn't matter. God will give you an opportunity. If you ask him for an opportunity to minister to someone, he's going to give you that opportunity. He'll give you a chance to impact the lives of other people. You see, we're not really interested in playing church here at Grace Chapel. We really want to impact people's lives. We want to change people's lives. That's why I say if you, if you have a job, you're a marketplace minister. If, if, you're, if, you're, if, you're, if you're staying at home, then you're a family minister. What better place to minister for God than in your own family? I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm the senior pastor of Grace Chapel. But you know my number one responsibility? Well, one of my top responsibilities right now in my life, what I, when I, what I think about most, who I think about ministering to most in my life, my son Joshua. He's eight years old. If, if I don't spend good, solid, lots of quantity and quality time with Joshua, if I don't spend that time, I'm making a terrible mistake. He's, my, he is, he's the person I want to minister to. I want to invest my time and energy into. I mean, I like, I like Taekwondo. I actually really love it. It's enjoyable to do. But I'm doing, ta- I'm doing that right now because Joshua loves it. And I want to do what he's doing. I want to follow after him. I want to invest in him. I want to, I want to do things together with him for, until, for the rest of his life, but especially now. So if you're, if you're a, a person that's staying home with your family, you're a family minister. You have to think about it that way. Constantly investing in the lives of the people around you. How can you help them grow? How can you help them mature in their relationship with Christ? Just like the same thing with Lucas. If you're a student, it doesn't matter if you're elementary school, junior high, or high school. God can use you to impact the lives of the people around you. We have to get that mentality in our minds. We have to, we have to own that. We are all ministers. We, are, we're all, we were all designed, you personally were designed to minister to someone, to a group of people. You were designed that way. You can touch people's lives that I can't touch. You're around people every day that I, may, I will never meet, most likely. Never have an opportunity to talk to, never have an opportunity to share with, never have an opportunity to help. But you're with them every single day, and it's your responsibility to help them. The Bible says this in, in Colossians 3.17. I love it. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus Christ. Do it all. Do it all. Whatever you do, everything you do becomes a part. Let me say that again. Everything that you and I do becomes a part of your ministry. If you do it with the right motivation, everything, everything, not some things, 
Not when you just come to church. Not when you're at youth group. Not when you go to your men's Bible study or women's Bible study. Not just those things. Everything you do. We will go the way of the dodo, my friends. Most of, most of, it, of, of, of us, I'm telling you right now, Christianity as, as a whole. It will, never, we will, it will never cease because God will always have a remnant. He will always have a remnant. But I'm going to tell you right now, if we don't get this concept down and we cloister around our churches and we stay within our Bible studies and we don't, we don't get out there and realize that every, every opportunity, you're going through a toll. You can, you can somehow show kindness and love to the guy at the toll booth. We have to think that way. We cannot be, we can, the culture is trying to push us further and further and further into a little, a little fishbowl. Stay in your fishbowl. You can have your, your Jesus, you can have your God, but you're going to do it in this context. And they're shoving us. And we're some, we just basically, we just listen and we some cower and we go back and we, we huddle together and hope it all works out. If we have that mentality, we're in trouble. We are in trouble. We have to believe, we have to know who we are in Christ. We have to know our purpose. We have to know why we were called, why we were designed. And once we understand that, we need to use the gifts and talents and abilities that God has given us to reach out and impact the world around us. If we don't do that, number one, we're going to be unfulfilled in our lives. We're going to have regret in our lives. And number two, I don't, I don't know what the future looks like if we continue to, to, to cower, if we continue to go backward. Write this down if you have a pen. Menial tasks become meaningful tasks when we do it out of love for God. Menial tasks become meaningful tasks when we do those things out of love for God. There's nothing you do. There's no menial tasks that you do that cannot be meaningful when you do it out of love for God. So many people think, well, I don't, I don't, I, you don't understand. I don't, have the, I don't have these great gifts. I don't have these great abilities. I can't get up and speak or I can't do this. I can't teach a Bible study. I, menial tasks become, become amazing, become meaningful tasks when we do it out of love for God. Galatians 1.15 tells us that, that God set us apart from birth. You, you personally, you have been set apart from birth. You have been called by the grace of God. You have been called by the grace of God. When you know you were designed by God for a specific purpose, it changes your perspective when you know, if, if, when you truly own it, I don't know if you're truly, I don't know if everyone truly owns this. When you truly own that you were designed by God, and I know where it gets mixed up because your parents, you're, maybe, you're, maybe you're older and your, your parents, they loved you so much and they wanted you to serve God and so they encouraged you. Maybe they pushed you a little too hard. I don't know what it was. And so you, you got, you know, you, you're, you're back in church because you know it's the right thing to do. But, you know, you, you got, you, I don't know, maybe they rubbed you the wrong way. And so you don't want to, you just want to, you want to keep it inside boundaries. You don't want to get too radical. You don't want to be pushed. I understand that. But the reality is you need to separate your, your parents maybe pushing you too much or some other experience with, with the reality that you 
push everybody else out right now. Close your eyes for a second. I want you to push every other experience you've had out of your life, if you can. Your parents putting too much pressure on you, uh, people, whatever, whatever it's been, maybe a bad experience with the, in a church, whatever the case may be. And I want you to focus on you and Jesus Christ. And what I'm telling you is God designed you. God created you. God had a purpose for you from birth. He set you apart at birth and called you for a specific purpose to invest in the lives of other people. Now, this is between you and him. It's between you and Jesus. You need to find your place. You need to find your purpose. You need to understand the reason you were designed and you have to live that out in your life. No one else needs to tell you to do that. It's your heritage. It's who you are. You're a Christian. You're a person of the book. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. Find your place. Find your place in his family. You've been called to impact people's lives. Now, I'm going to share with you four incredible benefits that happen in your life when you begin to change your focus from self to service. Now, you're, some of you, like Kevin was talking last week, are looking at your watches and you're like, four? four? <laughs> you have five minutes. Um, this is a two-part, two-part sermon, okay? Two-part sermon, so don't panic. Um, four things... There are four things in, in life that we, that we really want most. There, there, there are some things that we really desire. And here's the thing. They're only available. Those four things that you truly desire are only available when you begin to serve other people. You say, oh, oh I really, if I could just have this, if I could just... Those things that you truly desire, four of the things that you desire most in your life are only available, only available to those who serve other people. So, so what happens when I begin to live out my fourth calling? It brings some amazing results. The first one, it will create joy in my life. It will create joy. When I serve, it creates a massive amount of joy in my life. Most people are looking for happiness in all the wrong places. They look, at, they look for it in pleasure and in power and in possessions and in position they, they, look for, they look for it in prestige, but success doesn't bring satisfaction. Sex doesn't bring satisfaction. Salary doesn't bring satisfaction. Those things don't bring satisfaction. Status doesn't bring satisfaction. You know why? Because they're all temporary. They're all temporary. Now, I'm not saying any of, any of them are bad. A lot, those things are good. It, it, used for the Lord. All those things are good. You want to get a salary. You want to get satisfaction. I mean, all the things I just described, they're good, but they, they, they don't last. They're not lasting. That's the problem. And we're put, we put our hope in things that don't last. Most people don't know the two secrets of joy, but I'm going to share them with you this morning. So I have four things, and I'm only going to share one, and I have two secrets that I'm going to share with you in the next three minutes. Okay? First... The secret of joy is getting the focus off of yourself. You need to get the focus off of yourself. The more you focus on you, the more miserable you're going to be. I, I, I don't know what to tell you. Everything in our society says that you're, you're number one. You're, you're the most important thing. 
Every advertisement you'll see on TV says you're the most important thing. Focus on you, what you need, satisfaction, all these kinds of things. Focus on you. But here's the reality. Here's the truth. The truth is, the more you give yourself away in service, the more joy will flow through your life. The more you get the focus off of yourself and you give to other people, the more joy. I'll use joy, peace, contentment, happiness, all of it. The more will flow through your life. The more you focus on yourself, the more miserable you will be. Why do you think people run around like a dog chasing their tail? It's all about me. I want to find happiness. I want to find this. I want to have that. And they don't have it because they're all temporary. God says if you put, take the focus off of yourself and put it on others, then you will have joy. It will flow through you. It's a fact that the most helpful people in the world are the most happy people in the world. Do a study. Don't even open your Bible. Just do a study. The most helpful people, those who serve the most, are the happiest, most content people. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are unselfish and considerate in all you do. Notice he pairs, how he pairs joy with being unselfish and considerate. If you're inconsiderate and you're selfish, you will have no joy. You, you, you will not be joyful. You will not be joyful. If, if you lack joy right now in your life, you say, I don't, I don't know what joy. You're talking about joy. I don't have any joy in my life. If you lack joy in your life, then you need to serve. You grab that booklet you were given on your way in. The little booklet you were given. It's, it says, get involved, the get involved booklet. I want you to please read through that booklet. Please take the time as a family this week sometime, read through that booklet and decide where am I going to serve within the body of Christ? Where is my place of service? Every single person. If you're, and if you're a little nervous, you don't want to serve right now, you're not really sure, you come to that class next week on shape. We will help you figure out your best place to serve. I want you, I need each one of you to serve here. Need you to. God wants you to serve him. For the benefit of others, but for the benefit of yourself. For you. He wants you to do it for you. Okay, the second secret of joy, and we'll close out here, is that it comes when you use your gifts to help others. See, when when you use the gifts that God has given you to help other people, I don't know what to tell you, it feels fantastic. It feels great. If you've never served, really truly served someone before, you have no idea what you're missing. What a great feeling to reach out and to serve other people, to invest in the lives of other people, to see the change in other people's lives. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 10 says this, each of you should use, listen, this is to all believers, listen to what it says, Each of you, not your pastor or pastors or staff people, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. We're we're blessed to be a blessing. God blessed you. God blessed you so that you can bless other people. We were blessed so that we can be a blessing. 
Serving, serving others, serving others unselfishly will create not only joy in your life, but second, the second amazing benefit is that it will improve your relationships. It will improve your relationships. It will have a profound impact on your relationships, and we'll talk about that next week. Let's bow our heads. Father God, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to come together, Lord, and serve you. And we ask, dear God, right now that you would impress upon our hearts, each one of us, the desire that you have for us to get involved, to get engaged at whatever level, whether it's greeting at the door or helping people find a parking space or or teaching a study or whatever it is, Lord God, that you would help us find our place of service within your body so that we can achieve, we can we can receive, we can receive everything that you have for us and we can fulfill our purpose and our calling and our reason for existence. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week.